Well, guys, the Cardinals are officially in a slump. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in. Brendan Schaefer here with you for another B-Shafe Daily. Somber tone to start things off today, huh? But that's the way it goes when the Cardinals fall 8-3 to to the White Sox, dropping their third straight game overall and the second in a row in the series to Chicago, to this Chicago, because they lost 2-3 of three to the other Chicago, the Cubs, back at home in St. Louis before embarking on the road trip. And on the south side, it hasn't been much more friendly in terms of the results for St. Louis. Today, it was a very bizarre turn of events as the Cardinals' defense really was the reason this team was not very competitive in the game tonight on Tuesday, May 25th. As in the first two innings, the Cardinals make a total of three errors, and it somehow seemed like more than that. But they just, every routine ball that was being hit was not being fielded. Edmund had one playing right field, of course, because of the injury to Harrison Bader, who went on the injured list today. Hairline fracture in the rib, which resulted from diving after a ball yesterday and then kind of rolling over the ball, essentially, as it popped out of his glove. Just kind of a freak incident. And it results in a non-displaced fracture for his ribs, which means he'll spend at least 10 days on the shelf. Mike Schultz said this afternoon, hopefully Cardinals believe he may not be out much longer than that. But as is the case, it's going to depend on soreness and how it heals up. And once it does that, they figure he'll be back pretty quickly. But he'll just have to probably maybe have a couple of rehab games to round back into form if he spends too long away from baseball activity. That's probably going to be the plan for Bader. And the Cardinals miss him, at least defensively tonight. Uh, Carlson in center field usually does a really fine job out there. Had one play that led to runners moving up an extra base for the White Sox. Nolan Arenado had a grounder hit to him that he he muffed. Just inexplicable stuff. And Mundo Sosa, the same thing. His came first in the first inning, I believe it was. And Yadier Molina had a couple... Balls get away from him. One was a wild pitch. I don't recall the ruling on the other. But it was just kind of a strange start to the game. And you could sense the frustration for Jack Flaherty pitching in in what was supposed to be. It was billed as a a big pitching matchup between Flaherty and his former high school teammate at Harvard-Westlake, Lucas Giolito. But Flaherty really was kind of knocked out of this game before it ever got going for him. Just... Couldn't find any momentum or traction, and the reason was the defense. Rarely do you see bad defense have that level of impact on a game, but it absolutely did as Flaherty gives up five runs in the first two innings and then allows a two-run homer in the fourth that puts his total to seven runs for the game, but only three of them were earned. And it was just an absolute S-show in the first couple of innings for the Cardinals. And like I mentioned briefly a moment ago, you could sense the frustration for Flaherty, the one that that really he kind of let it out a little bit. And I think more so at himself than anything else was in that second inning. He had one strike away from being out of the jam with the bases loaded and lets a fastball that was supposed to be inside. That's where Molina was set up. He kind of overcooks it and spikes it. And Yachty was not able to block it, went for the backhand. I had mentioned on Twitter that I thought 
he needs to move the body to try to block that ball. Some people said, well, you know, that is a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. And I said, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna watch that again and, and get another look at it. And after further review, I said, you know what, that was wrong of me to, to kind of come out a little bit harsh about that. Yes, I think Molina maybe could have, you know, that's a play he could make. And it, the, the, the pressure to make every individual play had been ratcheted up by that point because of the fact that the defense had been so sloppy. But that play in particular, I had to correct myself and apologize and say, you know what, I really considering 96 in the dirt on the opposite side, and he was set up pretty far inside. So if you saw that tweet and then were wondering where it went, I I backed off the take because I was wrong. And so I had to I had to kind of own that one. But defense on the whole for the night, if you're going to criticize it for the Cardinals, you're, you're not going to be wrong about that. It just was, it was not acceptable. And not winning defense. You can't expect to have a chance to win a game when... You know, it doesn't matter who's on the mound. When you miss multiple routine fielding plays over the course of a couple innings to begin a game, that is not the tone that you want to set, especially when you're already riding a little bit of a skid as of late. And offensively, the Cardinals really didn't do a whole lot tonight either, and that's kind of been another story as they've struggled of of late. Three runs in the game. They score in three different innings, which is nice. But ultimately, it's just not enough. You know, you got to score more than three. And when you're getting 10 hits, that's double-digit hits. You'll take that. But you look at the left-on-base totals. Once again, 22 for the team. It just was not... The, the, the clutch hitting, the timely hitting, the ability to maximize situations has just not been there for the Cardinals recently. And, you know, they're not doing a whole lot of damage either. You look across the board, Sosa had a double. He continues to to kind of inject himself offensively, defensively, and has looked really good. We're going to have to have a conversation about what that's going to look like when Paul DeYoung returns because right now, can't sit Sosa down, in my opinion. Now, you may get bailed out by the fact that you've got no outfield. Bader's hurt. O'Neal's hurt. Justin Williams not performing. Lane Thomas, he's not performing either. 0 for 4, two strikeouts. I don't know if that experiment is going to be able to continue much longer. And even with Thomas in the lineup tonight, you had Tommy Edmond forced into right field which you know may be a reason for his error hasn't played there in a few weeks and was thrust back into the first time but he would tell you that's a catch he's got to make and so it's I don't think you can chalk it up too much to that and that was basically what Mike Schultz said as well didn't think that the recent shuffling defensively had much to do with the errors tonight Uh, it's just you know he said sometimes you prove you're human and that was that was what happened for the Cardinals defense tonight but you look offensively Okay, if you got Sosa hitting a double, that's nice. Matt Carpenter goes for a double. That's his first of the season. First double of the season. But give Carp some credit. Two for three tonight with a walk. On base three times. The only Cardinal able to claim that for this game. Batting average at 137. OPS up to 563. Uh, a couple more games like that. He might be above 600. Uh, and then, you know, that wouldn't be so bad. It's not good. You don't want to be hitting 137. I mean, you look at the other OPSs, Tommy Edmonds only at 688, and he's your leadoff hitter. Granted, he's hitting literally double what Matt Carpenter is as far as batting average, 137 to 270 for Edmond. But, you know, if that's the kind of power output you're getting, just a couple of doubles, the rest of them, the rest of the 10 hits go for singles, you know, you, you're going to have to string hits together and, and perform in a timely fashion. And Cardinals didn't do that tonight. Arnado did have a couple of hits, so good to see him continue on. Paul Goldschmidt 
three more left on base, one for four. He seems to just kind of be a, t- a touch off right now, especially in those those clutch situations with runners on base. So it's got to come from somewhere. I don't know. I don't know what the situation will be as far as the outfield moving forward. You know, without Bader, without O'Neill, as we mentioned, because Edmonds out there, Sosa could move to second base when DeYoung is ready to return. You might be able to find a way to keep him in the lineup. But you'd hate to have to put Edmund in the outfield every day. But, I mean, that's the way the Cardinals have basically... I mean, they they made their bed with this, and now they kind of have to lie in it a little bit. And by that, I mean, I talked about this in the offseason. We talked about it on B-Shape Daily. When Colton Wong left, and the organization decided not to pick up his option, save, you know, 11 million bucks in the process... I said, you know, man, that's a mistake. And people said, well, Tommy Edmond, he's going to be a pretty good second baseman. I said, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Tommy Edmond won't contribute to the 2021 Cardinals in a meaningful way. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it didn't have to be a choice between the two. Tommy Edmond's under team control. There's no decision to be made there. The only decision was, are we going to basically forego what Wong brings to the table to allow Edmond to just kind of fill those shoes and and say, yeah, he might be 90% Colton Wong or 85% Colton Wong. That's still a pretty good player, and he, you know, we pay him under a million dollars, so that's a that's a good business decision. Here's the problem, though. Colton Wong, who's performing pretty well with the Brewers as of late, well enough to, I, I, I picked him up on a fantasy team to start the season and haven't thought about dropping him yet because he's got the batting average up above 280 last I checked, a couple of stolen bases, a couple of home runs, scores a decent amount of runs. Even through having some injuries that he's dealt with this season, he's putting together a nice offensive season, and we've seen him make some good defensive plays as well. So my point with all of that is you look at these injuries to the outfield, you're already tonight deciding the best way forward is to play Tommy Edmond in right field. Well, it would be nice if instead of Max Moroff at second base, no offense to the young man who did get his first major league hit tonight after starting about 0 for 10 this season with St. Louis had good numbers in Memphis, but it's been a little bit of a struggle for more off to be able to get it going at the big league level. But he did happen into that first hit tonight and had an RBI. So good job for him and congratulations. But if instead of more off, you had Colton Wong playing second base and you have Tommy Edmond playing right field where you have him anyway, that'd be, that'd be a better look for your lineup. And you could do a lot of different things with Tommy Edmond. And that's what I said all along. It doesn't have to be either or just because you like Tommy Edmond doesn't have to mean, especially as a fan, where you say, well, it's not my money. It's what I've always said. And it's not as though we're talking about unreasonable financial, you know, commitment to Colton Wong for one more season. Especially in a season where, and look, they hadn't traded for Nolan Arenado yet as of October when they said they weren't picking up the option and going to let Colton Wong go. But Colton Wong, I think he would have come back if he would have come back to the table and, and tried to get something done with him. I just can't imagine that the Cardinals ever did based on the fact that he's not here. Because what, the, what he signed with the Brewers, I think it was like eight, $8 million a year, a couple of year contract. I think the Cardinals, they could have done that. And, and would Wong have taken the same money to stay rather than have to uproot his life and go to a new place? I'd... I would think he probably would have, which means, you know, and again, just kind of speculation without knowing what the inside details of those conversations might have been. I would have to say that Cardinals didn't really make an effort. And so because of that, 
pretty clear their plan was Tommy Edmond, second base, which is great until you realize that you didn't have a lot of depth in the outfield, and last year Tommy Edmond was doing a little bit of everything. Yes, you solved Arenado, third base. That's You've taken care of that spot. You don't need Edmond there. But there are plenty of opportunities right now to go around in the outfield for anyone who wants to grab them. Williams hasn't done it. Lane Thomas hasn't done it. And it it it's you know, you figure, okay, we're gonna give we're gonna give Edmund a shot out there and see if maybe one of the infielders can pick it up by by taking over to second base. But you could have totally had Edmund do that the whole season long. Because and, and this is what I always say, in in April, January, on back to October, November, don't worry about where guys are gonna play. If you've got a, a talented player worthy of playing time, you'll find a spot for him. There's, I, I don't like the, it's too complicated thought process that the Cardinals have brought out a few different times over the last few years. It's not that complicated. Good, Get good players and, and get as many of them as you can and then keep them all on the same roster. I mentioned, yeah, the Cardinals hadn't gone for Arenado in that trade yet, but once they had, it's like, man... Why not also have Colton Wong? It's it, it doesn't have to be a replacement. Have more good players than fewer good ones. No offense to the guys that are on this bench right now, but it's just not been a very productive group. And you're you're, you're now dipping into that bench even more than you'd like to have to because of the fact that so many injuries are cropping up, and injuries happen in baseball. We've talked about it extensively on the podcast on the pitching side, but it's it's true of position players as well. Especially, I think it stands to reason, in a season after the COVID year, where guys, you know, typically have their bodies conditioned for six months, and last year they played two and a half. And then you you come right back to it this year and expect things to be the same, and I'm not saying that's necessarily the reason for any particular injuries that have happened for the Cardinals. Talk about getting hit by a pitch and rolling over on a diving catch. You know, I, I would think more so like soft muscle soft tissue issues like the groin pull that Tyler O'Neill had earlier in the season, which those are going to happen too. But just in general, you know injuries are going to be a thing. So why would you decline the option to have a better a better player? And, and Tommy Edmond, you say, well, he, he's too good of a player to be on the bench. He wouldn't have been. Have a little bit of foresight to know that, and it's I don't think that's a valid argument. Now, I'm not saying the Cardinals didn't think about that. I'm not saying... You know, anybody in particular, John Mozeliak decided we're nixing the thing or Bill DeWitt. You know, I don't really know where it came from. I just know the Cardinals as a team ultimately didn't didn't make that pursuit. And I thought I thought if you have Edmund in the super utility role that you had him in previously and you had Arenado, now you're getting somewhere. But now you're seeing the depth tested and we're only here into to late May. And now I think it's on the front office to come up with some answers, especially if this this kind of play continues for the coming weeks, because right now the Cardinals, yes, still clinging to first place, but they won't be for long if they they continue to lose games and and then lose games to quality teams. Their record this season against teams with winning records is not good. They beat up on the bad teams, as they well should, but against winning teams, they haven't been very strong. And that's not going to play if the Cubs decide to be a winning team the rest of the year, if the Brewers decide that they are a winning team. You're going to see plenty of them. You'll see the Reds and the Pirates, too, but... You know that's 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 not the way to it's it's the way to boost a resume, but it's not the the thing to rely upon and say we can beat all the bad teams and lose to the good ones and still find a way in the playoffs. It may happen. You may be able to do that every every so often. 
you're not going to be much of a threat when you get there. And that's what the Cardinals, when they brought in Nolan Arenado, intended to be. They wanted to be a threat. And they've got pieces. They've got a few really good relievers. They've got a few staples in the lineup that you expect are going to be able to contribute and have done so. They've got a couple of guys like Carlson, like Edmundo Sosa perhaps, that are kind of coming into their own and maybe showing that they can contribute at a higher level even as a younger player. Starting rotation, by and large, has been really good. You like a lot of what you've seen from that, but that's a unit also dealing with some injuries. Miles Michaelis, like I said, don't expect to see him again. We'll find out more about him on Wednesday, I'm sure, as he was supposed to have the second opinion with Dr. James Andrews, as we talked about on yesterday's podcast, which would love for you guys to go back and listen, if you haven't already, by the way. Talked about Lance Lynn. I mean, within the first couple of minutes, you, you, it's your, you get your money's worth because I play some audio from Lance Lynn from yesterday's game, Monday's game, as he beat the Cardinals for the first time in his career and was pretty happy about having done so and was not shy about letting the media know that. So some interesting stuff yesterday from Lance Lynn. But also we talked about Michaelis and the fact that while the Cardinals don't have any reason to believe structural issues are at play, going to Dr. Andrews to hopefully figure out next steps of, of where they go from here, but we talked about it yesterday. If you've got a forearm issue, not 18 months, whatever it's been after, I mean, not even 18 months. It's been like nine months since he actually had the surgery to repair the forearm last season. It's more like 18 months since the injury first cropped up, October 2019. But if you're not that far removed from having a surgical repair to fix an issue and the same exact issue is still giving you trouble, I, I feel like you have to kind of up the ante and maybe not expect that whatever solution is going to be in play for Michaelis is going to allow him to return in short order. So while the rotation's been really pretty strong, by and large, you do have that to deal with. You've got Kwon Young Kim. Maybe you like to see him get a little bit deeper into games. Hasn't come into his own yet this season the way that you, you expected and the way you saw him do last year. And sure, you knew there'd be some growing pains, even with a veteran player. It's an adjustment to Major League Baseball, and last year was... I think, kind of tailor-made to be easy for, for him to adjust just because of the way the schedule broke down, playing only teams in the AL and NL Central and kind of got to got to hone his craft that way. Now there's a lot more of a book out on him, and he's been a little too fine with some pitches, not having the command that he that he typically is accustomed to having. And so you've seen him not be able to get through the sixth inning yet this season, but still pretty quality efforts from him. Like what you've seen from John Gant, Flaherty, I mean, this was his first loss of the season tonight. So 8-1 and one has been really good. ERA is still below 3. Wainwright has been inconsistent, but has, has shown some flashes of brilliance. I mean, three games of going at least eight innings or, or deeper and completing one complete game so far this season. He's been, he's been really everything you could hope. ERA under 4. Like to see him be able to to knock out those bad outings, but man, by and large, you, you cannot complain about what you've seen from this rotation. But as a team, they've got to, they've got to find where they're going to be able to improve as a front office. You have to find where you're going to be able to target that improvement. If it needs to come from the outside internally right now, outfield wise, I'm surprised we haven't seen Lars Newtbar just yet because he's been killing it for Memphis. And to me, you know, we've seen this in, in past seasons for the Cardinals, Good teams, but sometimes they've missed playoffs. Sometimes they've needed a little bit of a, a jolt, a boost 
to find their way back into the playoff conversation after a midseason slump. They're going through one of those right now, and I don't think there's any harm in, in having a having a shakeup, making making some changes. Um, you know, one change that I think a lot of people already figured needed to have happened was Tyler Webb being DFA'd. I would say pump the brakes on that after tonight because he actually was one of the bright spots of the 8-3 loss to the White Sox. Came on in relief of Flaherty, one and a third, or pardon me, one and two-thirds innings pitched. Gave up one run, so not perfect, but did, did see the ERA drop by nearly a full run despite giving up a run in one and two-thirds. Junior Fernandez was absolutely electric. Like, this guy was a former starter who was transitioned to a relief role even in the minors. But, you know, a lot of times it happens that guys start in the minors and then they get the call-up and the Cardinals put them in the bullpen because that's where they have space for somebody and they're trying to get a jolt. Fernandez, two and two-thirds, gave up three hits, but no runs, no walks either. And that's a big key. His ERA for the season still over seven. But he had a rough go early on, and so he went a long way tonight toward kind of stabilizing that. And in a game where you're down seven to seven to two, like the Cardinals were, to be able to finish out despite Flaherty not finishing four innings, to be able to go Webb, Fernandez, and you're you're off the sheet, you're done. That's a pretty good way to save the bullpen. You know, meaningful arms that you don't want to have to use in an eight-three game when you're on the downside. Credit to those guys for combining to pitch four and. One third inning, one run. That's pretty good. So bright spot from the bullpen tonight. That's definitely an area that we've talked about ad nauseum over the last five, six days. Middle relief needs to be figured out. Well, Junior Fernandez gets the call up, and they throw him out there, and he does a really good job. Now, don't send him down tomorrow just because you think you need a fresh arm. I know Junior will be down for a couple of days. That's fine. But if he's going to pitch like that, don't put him on the shuttle. Just leave him here. Don't get too cute with it. The arms that are down there, I don't know that they're necessarily going to be any better than than what he did tonight. So maybe you give Junior Fernandez a little bit of a run. Maybe what he was able to figure out in Memphis helps him to stick around with the Cardinals moving forward. He certainly looked the part tonight. And like I said, Tyler Webb, yeah, gave up a run, but it was progress. He was able to get out. Recorded five outs, so you'll take that. Offensively, maybe they do go to Newt Barr at some point. Mentioned him as a possibility. He would have to be added to the 40-man roster. May not be much of an issue if you have to 60-day IL Miles Michaelis because I feel like we're going to find out relatively soon what that's going to look like, and it'll be retroactive, obviously, to his start over the weekend. I wouldn't be surprised if if the Cardinals decide they need to make a move to the 40-man. That might be something they're they're not shy about doing because, once again, if you've gotten this deep with Michaelis and you have to do it over and over and over again, every time it seems like he's ready to come back within innings, a matter of four or five innings, He's he's back with a setback because he feels discomfort, pain, soreness, whatever. If that's the case, I don't know that it's going to be a quick fix this time, and so maybe that's an option. But I, if if the outfield continues to look like it's looking, with Thomas not being able to find traction, Williams not being able to do the same, and Edmund probably defensively is going to end up panning out fine. I, I, I talked a lot about it previous seasons. Back when they had a Rosarena and they were playing Edmund in the outfield, playing Yaro Munoz in the outfield, I was like, this is not, this doesn't make any sense. These guys are not outfielders, they're infielders, and you have potentially solid outfielders that you don't know anything about. Maybe you should give them a shot. Adelis Garcia, I believe, was also here at that time. And so they were playing Yaro Munoz in the outfield. You know he where he's gone, left the Cardinals. I think he might have been doing okay with the Red Sox. I haven't checked up on him recently, but 
his tenure with the Cardinals ended, ended very unceremoniously, whereas tonight Adelis Garcia hit his 15th home run of the season. It's not even Memorial Day. Cardinals gave up on him, which, to be fair, so did the Rangers before bringing him back. But he would be somebody you'd like to have in your outfield right now. And we've talked about Rosarena tons <laughs> over the last year since that trade was made. So it's just the way it is. But I, I don't think that can make you gun-shy from then trying to find the next crop of guys. Lars Newbar, if he's playing well, OPS over 1,000 at Memphis, I would say he should probably be on his way once you can find a spot for him. And it shouldn't be that difficult to find a spot for him on the 40-man roster. I think you've got you've got some flexibility there. A little bit of an issue because right now you've got guys like Austin Dean. They're not able to come here and help you because they're on the minor league IL. Same thing with Scotty Hurst. And so if you're looking for an outfield upgrade, or or maybe it's not a guaranteed upgrade. It might just be we need to shake things up. I'm I'm putting my uh I'm putting my my token in the in the middle for, for Lars Newpar. I think that would be a fine addition and cut, bring him up and start him. You know, I just don't know what you have to lose at this point. Cardinals gotta find some offense. Not sure where it's gonna come from, but we'll see if they're able to get on the stick. Come Wednesday, it'll be an afternoon game against the Chicago White Sox on the south side. 110 start. John Gant going to try to do his cowboy thing once again. Blue collar. Hope he can get through, you know, five, six innings and, and give the Cardinals a chance to win. Facing off against Carlos Rodon, who has been absolutely stellar for the White Sox this year. 5-1, and 1.27 ERA and 62 strikeouts. He's been tremendous and will face the Cardinals for the first time since 2018 in the third time in his career. That'll come tomorrow, Wednesday afternoon. Cardinals, White Sox, as St. Louis looks to avoid the sweep. We'll see if they can get it done. But with that note, I think we're going to wrap things up for this edition of B-Shafe Daily. Appreciate you guys, as always, for listening. If you haven't subscribed, you can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all the rest. Head on over to anchor.fm slash bshafer12. Click on the More Platforms tab, and you can find all the lovely places where you can subscribe and download the shows as they come out. Been rocking and rolling this week. Unfortunately, the Cardinals have not been doing the same. It's much more fun to podcast daily when the Cardinals are are playing some competitive baseball, but they're in a lull right now, 26 and 22, still above 500, need to find their way out of this one uh, because the Cubs are closing fast, just a half game behind the Cardinals at 25 and 22. But you know what? They're getting to play the Pirates right now, so everybody gets their turn. Appreciate you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shave Daily.